You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's Tuesday. Last night was fun, wasn't it? No Joel Embiid, no Tobias Harris, still no Ben Simmons. Uh, no problem? Question mark? That was awesome. Sixers win 113-103. All of the recap and analysis is on LibertyBallers.com. This is the Out of Sight podcast. I am your host, Adil Royce, Chill Ride, Chill Vibes, as always. Man, that was an amazing, amazing win last night. One that I didn't expect them to get. But here we are, Sixers are five and two after, what, like a week and a half, two weeks of the season. It's there. There have been some ups and downs. There's been some ebbs and flows. There's been some unexpected things and uh, some not so unexpected things. And we're going to get into one of those things as it pertains to the Atlanta Hawks win on Saturday. And that's just going to be a point going forward for at least the foreseeable future. Hopefully Tom West is here. He always adds that touch class to the podcast. So it's always nice when I get to talk to him. Uh, Tom, how you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks, man. Thanks for me back home. Always, always. I like I always say when I have you on the podcast, every once in a while, I need to have you on the podcast just to elevate this podcast just a little bit because of all the nonsense. And uh, and uh, our, our other colleagues aren't uh, they, they aren't as uh, sophisticated as you, Tom. I mean, yeah, I mean, they are, but, uh, you know, you know what I mean? It, it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, not, I don't know about that, but I, yeah, like I always say, I'm trying my best. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, you, it, it's the accent. I say it all the time. and I know that's stereotypical as hell and I apologize, but damn it. It's what it is, man. I can't tell. I can't help it. Um, so real quick, last night, that is a game that in the past eight, nine times out of 10, they lose. No Joel, no Tobias, uh, no Ben Simmons, and they still beat Portland by 10. Yeah, it was a really good win. Really good win. Um, I wasn't expecting that either. Uh, once we got the news that Tobias was going to be out for health and safety protocols. Um, but yeah, just really good performances from pretty much everyone. Like, you know, Drummond was brilliant, you know, at both ends. Um getting tons of rebounds, passed really well, doesn't get any turnovers. Um, they kind of had to use him even more as that kind of sort of perimeter passer, kind of dribble handoff guy. Um, and he, he's continuing to play really well so far this season. Uh, he's defending pretty well too. Um, George Niang, another great game, like his, his shooting and just sort of off-ball movement and his extra passes and things. And, you know, the odd drive and cut to the basket, like he just kind of does everything they need from that kind of backup four, like he's, he's been a really big upgrade there. And, you know, I, I really liked the signing at the time and he's just kind of, yeah, he's just been playing really well. Uh, Shake has looked good since coming back from injury. I, I wasn't 
too sure how much you'd give them. Like, you know, he's had some struggles as a ball handler and, you know, preseason wasn't great for him. And but he, right. he's played well the last few games. Tyrese Maxey was good again. Um, fairly quiet as a scorer, but he was efficient. He defended well again, which we saw, you know, against the Hawks as well. And he did a really good job uh, guarding Trey as well at the weekend. Um, yeah, just, yeah, loads of loads of good performances. Falcon Cork Mars was good again. Um, Matisse Seibel had a few more steals. Like, yeah, like you said, it's the kind of game that they probably would have lost in the past. And I think that just goes to show that they do have some kind of good young talent now, that their bench is is playing well and performing well. Um, you know, Drummond is a big upgrade from Dwight Howard. Um, you know, Niang helps and some of the young guys have come along well. So, yeah, lots of positives. And, yeah, I wasn't expecting them to win that, but that's, yeah, probably after the Hawks game, that's definitely their best win of the year so far. Real quick, back to Maxi. What kind of a trial-by-fire defensive nonsense assignment is this for this kid, like 10 games in the season? Starts off with Devontae Graham, you know, whatever. But then, like, Harden, Kemba Walker, Trey Young, uh, Dame Lillard, and now he's got, you know, Lonzo Ball twice for the for the rest of this week. Yeah, I know, but he's really been thrown into it. And I mean, even just Jesus. starting, before you even look at the defensive assignments, like just asking, you know, a second year, like 20-year-old guard to go from kind of bench spot plug to starting point guard on a team that wants to compete um, and having to, you know, his, his usage hasn't really changed too much in terms of they're not asking him to run like tons of pick and rolls and create absolutely loads as a passer, like they're running a lot through their bigs, but... Yeah, it's still been a larger role for him to take on. And then the fact that, like you said, like he's been taking on all these really tough defensive assignments as well. Obviously, you know, Danny Green and, and Thibel are around to help too. But yeah, Maxi's been guarding a lot of really tough top guards. And he's, yeah, he's been doing a really good job the last few games. Like, he's been pretty disciplined. Like, he has the kind of speed and competitiveness and, you know, motor and, and strength to kind of hang with guys on the ball. And his, yeah, he's been pretty disciplined. He's got caught on a couple of fouls against Trey at the weekend, but yep. otherwise for the most part, he kind of controlled himself pretty well there. Um, yeah, just kind of shifting around. He's done a better job of fighting over screens, I think. Um, I know Maxi said after the win against the Hawks that that's something that um, Dan Burke, one of the assistant coaches who's kind of in charge of the defence, has kind of been getting on Maxi a lot about, just kind of his work getting around screens. Um, so he's kind of been trying to get better at that, and I think he's doing that. So yeah, he's He's playing, you know, obviously there's ways he can improve and you you know, want to see more of his kind of three-point jumper, but you can't ask for too much more from Maxi right now given how early it is in the year and how much he's been asked to do. Right. And, you know, Maxi has had a great defensive start to the season. He played very well against Lillard last night. And, you know, Lillard has gotten off slow, but there was that point in the fourth quarter, I think it was, where it was looking like it was Dame time, right? Um he had a couple of big buckets late to get him to within three, but then like that, that was kind of it. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and yeah, now you mentioned that sort of late push there. I totally forgot to mention Seth Curry as well. He has had an awesome game as well. Um, he had a few big buckets late, uh, but yeah, no, you're right. Like it was, uh, it looked like they could make a comeback, but the six was kind of held strong, kept defending well. And, yeah, just a, just a great win for them, and yeah, kind of showed off their, their depth a little bit. And uh, you know, they they do obviously gonna they're gonna need to buy us back soon. Um, I think he's gonna miss several games. Exactly yeah. how long that is, you know, we don't know yet. You know, they, they will miss him. Like he'd been playing really well to start the season too. Um, kind of defending well again, just scoring efficiently. Like the free ball wasn't falling 
at a great clip yet, but I think he'd kind of been slightly more willing to shoot some contested looks and, you know, a couple of more pull-ups and then he had done before and just getting to the rim well, rebounding and passing well. So yeah, it will really give them a boost when he's back too. But I think the performance of everyone else and, you know, his absence and Embiid's absence um, is, is definitely encouraging at least. Last thing about last night, and, uh, you know, George Niang had 21, five and five, but Andre Drummond, 14 points, 15 rebounds, seven assists, five steals and a block. Um, were, were we all just, did we just overreact too much to the drumming signing with, uh, the, the groans and the, uhs and the, oh gods. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, I think, uh, I mean, I, I liked the, I mean, I think once you got over the initial kind of funny fact that Drummond and Embiid were going to be teammates, I think yeah. that was the thing that kind of threw me at first. I was like, really? Like, that's not a pairing I imagined coming. Um, it was just more funny than anything. But, you know, Drummond is a, like, if he's your backup center, like that's a really good signing. Um, I think getting him on a cheap deal as your backup, it, it was good. I, I liked it at the time and I, I thought it was an upgrade over Dwight and maybe it's going to even be a bit more of an upgrade, you know, than, than I thought, like he's playing really well. He's defending, you know, as well, or a bit better than I thought he might. Um, and yeah, you know, obviously, you know, there's, there's some downsides to his battle. Sometimes he's, he gets a bit over ambitious, you know, with, you know, his handle sometimes and, you know, trying to drive to the rim or get a bit too fancy with post-ups. And he, he does go for some very ambitious passes, which has, <laughs> has led to some sort of high turnover games previously. Um, obviously yesterday was a, was a really good efficient night from him. Um, great play from him at both ends of the floor, but yeah, no, he definitely helps. And I think, yeah, I think some fans probably maybe didn't realize quite how much he'd help, but he's, he's really playing well. And I think just some of the things that he gives you that Dwight didn't, um, you know, he doesn't commit as many stupid, you know, offensive fouls and kind of do some of the weird things that Dwight would do. Um, obviously, Drummond is a much better passer than Dwight, so you can kind of run more actions through him for the second unit, which just wasn't an option with Dwight at all. Um, you know, Dwight was a really good rebounder for the Sixers last year, but Drummond's even better there, so that helps. And then he kind of just gives you a little bit more defensive playmaking, like coming a bit higher up the floor and against ball screens, like he just gets in more passing lanes. Like we saw that with the five steals, you know, against the Blazers, like he just kind of gets his hands in passing lanes more and that sort of thing. So that's one thing he does, you know, well defensively that Dwight didn't do as much. Um, So yeah, he's just doing a lot to help right now. So, you know, (laughs) I'm sure that we, there'll be some rough games as well, but you know, right now he's playing well. So yeah, credit to him. I, I just need more Andre Drummond Euro steps in my life. I just need way more of those. That was fantastic. Uh, so that's okay. So that's the quick little recap that Tom and I are getting into for uh, last night's game. We're going to take a quick break, dive way more into Tom's piece, talking about the Sixers transition play and how it helped them kind of just dominate the Atlanta Hawks on Saturday night. So back in a second. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Saturday night, Sixers. It was not the game that I was hoping for. It was not the game that I thought Ben Simmons would make his first appearance in. And uh, you know what? It, it sucks from a content standpoint because that would have been amazing on so many levels. But listen, I'll take it because the Sixers got a 28 point win at home against the team that bounced them from the playoffs last year. Uh, let's just start real quick with the defense. <laughs> Against Trey Young, it was absolutely unadulteratedly amazing. It was fantastic between Maxi and Thibel, just locking him up as much as possible. Like that was fantastic. I needed to see that without a certain all star caliber defender. I needed to see that. And that was great. Yeah, they did a really good job. Um, uh, yeah, just I think the team defended well overall, but yeah, those two in particular on Trey, just yeah, limiting his looks, just competing around screens. You know, Trey got a few fouls, but you know, obviously with the rule changes and the Sixers just kind of being disciplined, he didn't get too many um, of those kind of you know leaning back, sideways, whatever um, fouls on his jumpers. But um, yeah, they just defended well. That they trailed well. Obviously, you know, sort of Doc and the, and the defenders a massive emphasis on just, you know, pursuing hard, you know, getting those review contests in. Um, obviously, Thibault is, is pretty much, the, you know, as good as anyone at that, um, if not kind of the best in the league at those review contests. You know, Maxie's getting better at that. Um, you know, he said after the game that, you know, he doesn't obviously have the wingspan of Thibault, <laughs> uh, all, the, all the size, but he's focusing on just trying to, you know, be a nuisance. Like just get his arms in there, get his hands by the ball, contest looks, even if he can't, you know, reject the shot. Um, so he's been getting better at that. You know, we saw a bit of that, even, you know, even late last sort of regular season as well. Like, um, and in the playoffs last year, like he's been, he's been improving his defense for a little while now. Um, so yeah, I just think them staying disciplined, getting around screens, contesting shots, kind of sticking with them on the ball, cutting off drives. Like they just did, did a really good job. Um, and then, you know, Thibault as well, just being a playmaker. I can't remember how many steals and blocks he had now, but it was a ridiculous number <laughs> as usual. Um, he had a couple of really just ridiculous blocks on Cam Reddish. Um, he had that one coming back in transition where he just swatted a three like miles into the stands. Had another one where he just kind of snatched the ball away on a review contest. I was afraid. Um, I was afraid on that one block of Cam Reddish that I thought it was going to hit our colleague Emily Anderson in the stands because I'm sure she was <laughs> at the game that night. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's just ridiculous what he does. I mean, you almost kind of become immune to how absurd the players are because he does them so often. But if you saw any other defender make like one of Thibault's kind of routine blocks, you'd like, you know, your eyebrows would raise and you'd be really impressed. He just does it all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, re- really, yeah, really great defensive performance against the Hawks. The other little piece about missing a certain all-star uh, player who is uh, taking a break and getting his mental health and physical health right. So uh, get get healthy all the way. Uh, the, the transition. Obviously, it's not the same when you don't have a player that is just so versatile as Ben Simmons who can just grab and go and just push the pace. 
I thought, however, that with Maxi's speed in the starting lineup, I thought that wouldn't be too much of a drop off. Is it? It, it's not a massive drop off, but it's like it's noticeable at least. Yeah, it's noticeable, but not to the point where the Sixers shouldn't still be able to, you know, produce in transition. Like, right? They're not. They're not going to be as good. And I think you know, I saw some fans kind of saying, you know, when I talked about that or whatever. Like the Sixers said, I think it was thirty-four fast break points against the Hawks, which was I think a season high for them still. And they didn't get too many of those against the Blazers, but obviously, you know, the offense still played really well, and they didn't need that. Yep. Um, but I think, yeah, I think some people might kind of point to performance like that against the Hawks and be like, oh, well, who needs Ben Simmons? Like, oh, we can still create threes without Ben. Like, they absolutely can. You know, they've got more shooters now um, on the floor just by the fact that Ben isn't playing. Um, yeah. And that helps. Like, they can still get those shots up. They've kind of been, their three-point volume's been kind of trending up the last few games, and that's really good. Um, and they can absolutely do that without Simmons. Like it was never that, <laughs> you know, as many threes as Ben Simmons assists on, it's not like the Sixers were never going to be able to get threes without him. Like that was, a, that was always a silly suggestion by, you know, any kind of Simmons supporters, but they can still push the tempo without him. They're just going to miss the fact that, yeah, he can lock up so many different kinds of uh, positions defensively. And then, you know, grab rebounds, drive to the rim, you know, collapse, um, defenses and then spray the ball out to shooters like they still don't have that but yeah I think Maxi and, and Shake even did a really good job of kind of getting the ball and then just pushing the ball right up the floor themselves you know whether they were getting to the rim or making quick um, outlet passes like one thing Doc um, and a couple of the players mentioned after the game was just like advanced passes like they wanted to get the ball up quickly um, obviously that's not some level concept but they just wanted to make swift outlet passes get the ball up quickly Um and, you know, that helped create some threes. Like Seth Curry got some threes that way just by them hitting him up ahead, uh, you know, really quickly. And and then, you know, when you have quick trigger shooters like Curry, you know, Danny Green, George Niang now, like you can get three pointers up within a few seconds of the shot clock starting, which is great. Um, and then, you know, Maxine Milton had some drives all the way to the rim, which was good to see. Um, so, yeah, they can still do, they can still perform in transition. It's just going to be different without Simmons. Right. And the the advance pass and Doc alluded to this as well. And he was saying after the game, like he thought the biggest thing was not just the pace, but the advance passes, just throwing the ball uh, ahead and just making uh, teams make their own mistakes. It's that uh, it's that idea of, you know, chaos and just like the scramble right whenever something like that happens sure you can get transition buckets easy by just like running in a straight line but hey if there's somebody open like down by half court just throw it to them and just go from there like any level of basketball you could do that and it creates opportunities and i think that was i think that was a great point yeah no exactly um if you can just not settle and just keep pushing the pace, you know, make those quick outlet passes. Like you can catch, you know, defenses when they're scrambling. And that's when, you know, the Sixers can capitalize from having the extra shooting that they don't have with Ben. Um, like, you know, they can just spread the floor and they can have, you know, when you have Curry, Green and Niang on the floor at the same time, Court Mars as well. Like you have a bunch of guys who are going to shoot as soon as they get open. Um, and when you get, yeah, when you get defend defenders kind of backpedaling and you know assignments get mixed up you can capitalize and like curry was saying after the hawks game as well like 
they just need to figure, keep, you know, kind of keep this up and figure out how to get like easy scores. Um, you know, the main thing the Sixers are missing right now is the kind of, you know, perimeter creating guard and playmaker that, you know, we've been talking about for months now um, that they need to kind of help the offense next to Embiid. And, you know, the biggest issue, you know, where that kind of, the main way that presents itself is just in half court sets and, you know, creating against really good defenses and kind of creating things out of nothing. And if they can get, if the Sixers can get more of those easy points in transition, then that just helps. <laughs> you know, you can't rely on transition to carry your offense, but they need it to give them more of a boost, you know, given their half court sort of limits. So and I think, you know, Curry was saying how they just kind of need to keep doing more of that. The way that the Sixers run their like transition, it really, really does remind me of like the Iverson era where like the Sixers were just really, really good at just, you know, getting out in transition like that was their bread and butter. And when you have somebody like Allen Iverson, that has to be like at least 50 percent of the focal point of your point getting. But there's a lot of similarities there. And specifically with Maxi, and let me just stop everybody right here. I'm not comparing Tyrese Maxi to Allen Iverson. I'm not saying that the two are, I'm not saying that Maxi is on that kind of trajectory. I'm just saying that with the speed, there's transition similarities. Okay. Everyone calm down. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think there's definitely an element to that. Sorry, carry on. With the sorry, <laughs> with the quick trigger shooters, that just adds that other element because again, guys are scrambling. People are just like, oh, where's where's my man? Where's my where's my guy? Who am I supposed to be guarding? Oh, he's in the corner and he's love and he's jacking up a three. And I just gave him up three points because I the transition defense was just all over the place. That's just something that is it's something that we saw last year, but through the first week, week and a half in the season, I feel like this is something that's definitely being emphasized to you. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, and like I said, I think the, the you know the three point attempts are increasing, which is good. They're still, I think, below average in that area. Um, when I checked the stats yesterday, um, and you know their their pace is still slow. Like they're not you know, getting through tons of possessions. They're still last in the league, I believe, um, unless they've kind of climbed up much after the Blazers game. Um, but they are scoring a lot of fast break points. Um, they got a big boost in the air, obviously, against the Hawks, and they are getting out and creating some of those opportunities, even if their overall pace and, you know, their half-court pace isn't that high. So, yeah, that's that's definitely um, a positive. And I think, you know, you know, like you said, we saw the kind of quick trigger shooting last year with Curry and Green, you know, being brought in. And I think Curry kind of, you know, now that he's, he's, you know, many more months removed from COVID and he's kind of kept up the aggressiveness that we saw from him kind of late last season. And, you know, obviously he does look much better. Unreal. He does like he's, he's kept aggressive. Like he's taking more shots off the bounce. Now he's taken a few more pull up threes. Like he's looking for a shot more when they're there. Obviously came up huge again against the Blazers. He had a couple of really important uh, baskets late in the fourth quarter. Um, so the fact that, you know, you have Curry being more aggressive and then you have George Niang as well now, um, like he's shooting really well. He's shooting, you know, in the mid forties from three, I believe, um, he's taking like nine attempts per 36 minutes, which is great. Um, you need guys with that kind of volume who just aren't bothered by closeouts. They're going to get shots up quickly. They're going to move and find space off the ball. Um, when you factor in that, 
I think. And, you know, both of those things, that just really helps as well. So, it's, yeah, it's definitely given them a bit of a lift so far to start the year. You were referencing pace. It, it is unfortunate that in just, you know, half court, the, the Sixers do rank dead last in pace. But the funny thing is they're still the number one team in the NBA in terms of offensive rating, and they're seventh in points per game. <laughs> Those numbers don't make sense when you put them together or maybe they do and i'm just not seeing like where the where the math comes in maybe maybe i have to carry the three or something i don't know but it's just it's just not adding up to me but it's working so i'm happy (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean you don't obviously need i mean obviously that offensive rating you know points per 100 possessions you don't necessarily need a high pace to kind of get the efficiency um, when it's just you know broken down to a per possession basis, but these too many advanced. Yeah, I mean, they've been <laughs> it's yeah, too many advanced stats. Been, uh... Too much math. <laughs> too, who, who needs math? Who needs too many, math? Too many spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, they've they've been efficient so far. I mean, I think you know, like you said earlier, like there have been some rough moments this year. Like the offense has gone through some droughts. There've been some pretty rough moments. Like watching them so far, you know at least until the last two games, they do have not looked like the first ranked offensive. No, no. Um, just watching them like that just doesn't really make sense. Even at this point, like it doesn't really seem real. And yeah, I think that's just a product of, you know, obviously a couple of good games that have given them a boost recently. Um, they're shooting really well from three. And the, just the fact that we're like seven games into the season, like it's a really small sample. They're not going to be, the number one offense forever that, that might change very soon um I, it's not going to last like they're, they're not the best offensive team in the league <laughs> um and and i mentioned this in the article as well like, there are some things that are an issue kind of with their shot profile like they're about 29th i believe in uh, attempts in the restricted area they're in the bottom 10 in free throw attempts per game Ooh. it took them a yeah, long time 20, to get to the free throw line against the blazers um, I can't remember when their first free throw attempt came against Portland, but it was far into the game. Um, like this, yeah, you know, they're not generating many of those kind of efficient um, points inside and at the line. So that's a concern. Um, and when you, you know, they're shooting efficiently from through right now, but their attempts are still, or, you know, overall their attempts have still been relatively low. So kind of when you put all that stuff together, like, when their shooting cools off a bit, you can kind of expect the offense to decline, you know, when they face some better teams and, you know, they need to get to the rim more. Like that's one thing that would really help. Um, So I think, you know, there's some offensive issues that aren't going to go away until they do kind of get that guard and, you know, they actually get some replacements to help in the place of Simmons. Um, But for now, you know, they, they are playing well and there's some things to work on, obviously. And, you know, it's still a small sample of games. They're not played too many good teams yet, but they're playing well. And, you know, getting out in transition and trying to sort of push the ball up and get those, you know, quick trigger threes on fast breaks and, and, you know, push to the rim when they can with their guards, it it does help. So, and, you know, like we saw yesterday, um, you know, against the Blazers, like they've got some, you know, some good depth there. So they do have some pieces. They're just going to need a bit more to kind of really get, you know, go up a level and kind of address some of the other issues that are still kind of lingering right now. I did look it up. And if I'm looking at this right, uh, their first free throw attempt, against Portland didn't come until 10.35 to go in the third quarter. Yeah, if I'm, that's kind of mad. If I'm, looking at this, if I'm looking at this right, 
And I, I, I did thought it was the third quarter, but I did I needed a refresh my memory, so I didn't want to say. But yeah, I thought it was the third quarter, which is mad that they went a whole half without a single free throw. Yeah, but um, yeah, <laughs> not great, not great, Bob. Um, I I will say that the. Uh, the the offense did not look like the number one offense against the Knicks. That's for damn sure. But uh, again, ag- against the Hawks, they turned on the transition, and that's what kind of boosted them. And I enjoyed literally every second of it. And like you said, it's a small sample size, and hopefully, we keep getting those fast break points. They had thirty four against the Hawks, and now they're number one in the NBA with eighteen and a half a game. So it's like transition needs to be more of a focal point of the offense, especially with the second unit, because transition buckets is the easiest way for the second unit to stay productive. Am I right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like that's what, when they were kind of talking about the transition play after the game, uh, you know, against the Hawks, like Curry and Maxi both said, like, those are, those are easy points. And like, it's not, easy to come by those baskets. Um, so, yeah, so when you get them, take them. They, they have to push for it. Exactly. When they're there, take them, you know, be decisive, be aggressive where you can in transition and just kind of get those easy scores because they need them. Um, you know, they've seen that working and, you know, it's not always going to be there. Like they've had games where they, you know, don't get many fast break points, but when they can find them, they need to kind of capitalize. And I think, yeah, like, you know, they, they do miss Simmons in that area, but I think with their guards and, you know, at least having those kind of quick trigger shooters now that they can they can do enough of that to kind of help the offense out. Um, and yeah, I think it, yeah, it's something that they're, they're focusing on, and I, I think it, yeah, it's something to keep an eye on in terms of how they can maintain that moving forward once their, their scheduler starts getting a little bit tougher. Because we always say this, and it's a horrible phrase like that regression to the mean like it's uh, the three-point shooting is not always going to stay this high like Seth Curry's not going to shoot 55 percent for the entire season it would be nice but it might not that's highly unlikely Danny Green shooting close to 44 Niang shooting close to 44 Korkmaz shooting 35 like these numbers will like it'll it'll trail off and get to like the normal point or where it really is, but transition buckets are easy buckets. Like that's always going to be there. So if they add that little wrinkle with defensive stops and grabbing rebounds and just advanced passes and maxi pushing the pace, like that's, that's going to be huge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, we'll see what the roster looks like when they do get another guard and, or, you know, if or when, you know, we'll see what they get for Simmons and, you know, that it looks like that's going to go on for a while, but they kind of have the pieces right now to at least make their transition play more of an emphasis. So yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And, you know, like I said, when their schedule gets a bit tougher, you know, they've got a lot of games coming up and they've got their first back to back soon. Like we'll see how they can kind of maintain that tempo. Um, yeah, as we get further into you. Once again, and anyone, anyone but Zach Levine, anyone, I don't care. I know I'm going to see him twice this week, and he's probably going to show up and show out just to make me look like a jerk, but I don't care. Anyone but Zach Levine. I does not matter. <laughs> <laughs> 
Zach Levine's good, man. I'm dying. I'm dying on this hill. I'm dying on this hill, and you can't get me off of it, Tom. Okay, not you, not Steve, not Paul, not Seamus, not anyone. You're not getting me off this off of this hill. Just no. I will be on there. I'll be on that wall like Jon Snow, and I will continue to do that. Well, I don't think you need to worry because the Bulls are playing well and they've brought in a bunch of new guys and I don't think they're going to be trading Zach Levine anyway. Oh, so you. certainly not for Ben Simmons. So I think uh, I think you're good. <laughs> thank, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, baby Jesus. Uh, um, so Sixers, uh, two games against the Bulls. They got, the, they got the Pistons and they have a rematch with the Knicks next Monday at home and then Milwaukee. A little, little bit of an interesting stretch, but, you know, they they look good so far, so I'm hopeful that they can, you know, have a really really positive record after that game against Milwaukee. And Toronto is playing well. OG had 36 and six last night or something like that. So now I'm just like, oh great, Toronto is still kind of frisky, and I got to worry about these guys again. Yep, Ojanobi, Scotty Barnes has been a lot of fun to watch. Um, they're yep. like the zombies. They're like the zombie <laughs> spurs. They don't go away. They're haunting my life and I hate it. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. Like you said, though, yeah. It's an interesting stretch of games coming up. Um, but I think, you know, there's a lot of reason to feel positive now for the Sixers. Like, you know, we've said small sample. Things could progress offensively and whatnot, but they're, they're playing really well. Um, they're getting a lot of contributions from a lot of players. So, yeah, if they can keep things competitive, you know, and, and Embiid hasn't had the kind of hottest start to the year either. Like, yeah. you know, you know, scored a lot the last game, but, you know, his, his jumpers haven't been falling too well so far. Like, has not been kind of peak, you know, Embiid, you know, as a scorer, at least, you know, his passing's been very good and his defense has been very good, but the scoring kind of hasn't fully got going for him yet. So, you know, once he's back, once Tobias is back, you know, it's going to, it's going to be tough without him for a few games, but once he comes back, you know, he's been playing great. So that will give them a lift. Um, so yeah, they can, they can stay competitive. Like the Sixers are clearly, you know, limited, you know, with their current roster, but they've been competitive. So, you know, credit to them for playing well. And, you know, the, you know, the young guys on the bench for stepping up because these last two games, I didn't think they were going to win. Uh, certainly not in the fashion that they did anyway. So, oh, no. so <laughs> they're playing. Yeah, no one. I don't think I expected them to dominate the Hawks the way they did. I certainly didn't expect them to beat Portland, especially when uh, news came out that Tobias was out. I was just like, damn. All right. Well, I guess I'll watch this crappy Monday night football game. No, I'm not going to do that either because, okay, I guess I'm doing dishes. That's fine. Um, Real quick about Embiid. It was a scheduled night of rest for him because they got their first back to back this week. Now, I I know that people are going to raise their hands and yell objection speculation, but I'm going to ask you, do you think that Doc Rivers, Daryl Moore, do you think they have finally drilled it into Embiid's head that, hey, we need you more for the playoffs. So sit down and don't get up until the next game or until like you're like fresh again. Okay. Like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like this might be like the year where he it's, it's finally clicked for him. Like, I know I'm speculating. I'm asking you to speculate and I know it sucks because I know you hate doing it, but I'm going to ask you to do it anyway. 
No, I think so. No, I, I think so. And I think we saw, you know, more of Embiid kind of realising that himself last year as well. Like he's talked about, you know, needing to be ready for the playoffs and that kind of thing. And, you know, his, you know, last summer as well, you know, this year he's put massive emphasis on his conditioning and his nutrition. Um, so I definitely think he is kind of embracing, you know, how important his conditioning is and how important, you know, just staying healthy through the season and kind of looking at the the sort of, bigger picture and kind of looking ahead you know through the year and the season schedule like I think he has kind of come around in that sense um, and you know if we see more of these kind of scheduled rest games for him and and whatnot I think it's clear that you know yeah he is, he is kind of taking the longer approach you know he's always going to want to play like he's an incredibly competitive guy <laughs> um, he wants to be out there when he can you know he kind of mentioned earlier in the year about kind of you know his knee wasn't really an issue he, he could push through it um, you know, you want to see him, you know, resting where needed. Um, so it was good that he got the night off uh, against Portland. Um, and yeah, hopefully he can stay healthy. You know, I think it was Ramona Shelburne who reported that he got an MRI the weekend and, and there were no um, issues or reasons for concern with uh, the knee that had been having some soreness um, to start this season. So that's good. Um, I think it looks like the knees kind of come around and yeah, it was literally just a night off to get him some rest. So that's good. So yeah, if he kind of maintains that approach and he's kind of, you know, cautious and the team are cautious and that's what they need to kind of keep him healthy, you know, as much as they can and, and get the most from him when they need it later in the year and in the playoffs, then um, that's great. So yeah, hopefully, and just, you know, hopefully he stays healthy. Like we all love watching him be play <laughs> and he's an amazing player. So hopefully this, you know, the knee doesn't bother him anymore and he has a, he has another kind of MVP caliber year. We we always promote good health on this podcast, and uh, I I may have read this incorrectly. So if you have the number, then just correct me if you know it. But I read somewhere where like COVID cases in your neck of the woods have dropped by like ten percent, or like new cases. I mean, the cases have been on the up recently. Actually, damn it. Um, yeah, they have been on the up recently, unfortunately. Um, come on, y'all. Listen, yeah, hey, come on. Get vaccinated so I can yeah. visit Tom in England. Jesus. <laughs> Guys are yeah, killing me. I, I don't know if it's just, I think it's just the nature of it getting closer to winter and the fact that kind of all our restrictions have just dropped. Um, so, yeah, hospitalizations and, and deaths have been up a little bit recently. So, that's a bit sake. of a concern. I'm just really hoping that that corrects itself or that we, our government does actually bring in some new restrictions for the winter if they're needed, rather than just trying to kind of push on and stay strong and just kind of act like normal. Yeah. Even if that's not the case. Um, yeah. We, we tried that already. To try and carry on. Exactly. They've tried <laughs> that already multiple times and it hasn't worked. So yeah, I'm kind of, waiting to see now if anything does change kind of, you know, over the last couple of months of the year, but hopefully, hopefully, yeah, those cases and hospitalizations do, do come back down again soon. But um, how are things where you are right now? Uh, things are trending kind of, it, it's always that roller coaster. And now that it's looking very likely that uh, children ages up to up to age 12 are going to start to get vaccinated. I feel like you're going to see a lot of our numbers start to chip, chip away and stuff like that. So that's encouraging. And I, I hope things get better for you over there, because, listen, I have to get over to London 
to visit Tom because I'm not a thousand percent sure he can go on a Dick Sporting Goods website and get the Spectrum jerseys. So if I have to hand deliver, if I I have to (laughs) hand deliver it to him, I would prefer not to have to do worry about too much is in terms of like COVID restrictions or like the fear of traveling to another country where how they've been handling it is just completely different and just harkens back to like two years ago where everybody was just, it was just dire for everybody. You know, it's at least somewhat, it's at least somewhat not as frightening here in the States anymore, but like all across the world, international travel, I'm freaking frightened of. So if we can just help my man, Tom, okay. Just let's let's just all volunteer to help him out, okay? That's all I want out of life right now for him. <laughs> to be able to I go, it. we just need, yeah, we to just be need able- everyone to be vaccinated, things to back to normal. You can come over here to London, and then uh, and then we're doing all right. <laughs> Last thing before I go, a little bit of uh, social. It's election day. If you are registered to vote, get out vote it is the most important thing that you can do as a member of a democratized society go out vote don't forget that if you are in line before the polls close you are still allowed to vote so if you're in the line stay in the line vote do your civic duty and yeah that's that's my political science moment for the podcast tom always always love having you on always love talking to you and checking in seeing how you're doing and how you are feeling about the six or so far this season so always always love talking to you my friend always a pleasure man appreciate you having me back on as always 